What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John J. Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler and visit rg-help.com. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ringer Gambling Show. We are joined today, as always, on Monday mornings by Chris Vernon, and we are going to go through the biggest things that we saw this weekend. What excited us? What disappointed us? What surprised us? Chris, how are you doing, my friend? Everything's good, Warren. I had to know that there was going to be some kind of course correction because we came on this show last week, and I remember I gave out the number. I said, it's 9977 and 1 against the spread for underdogs so far this year which was on pace to be the highest mark in 40 years and i said we better start watching out for favorites warren and they started to install a bunch of big numbers yesterday and thank goodness i was on the right side of them but i mean you had eight that were 5 points or more and Every one of them covered. And the public, they get a big, big week, right? I mean, because you had Arizona, Indianapolis, the Rams, the Bucks. I mean, people people wanted to bet these teams, especially against their opponents, and uh, and they all covered. So we'd had an underdog revenge in a massive way in November. But at least to start off this month, we uh we got a lot of favorites winning. And, and you wonder, you know, at the end, this stuff usually ends up, you know, decently close to even. I, I'm not so sure the run, you know, just ends with that week that we may see a lot more favorites covering, you know, from here on out just to get that number closer to what it typically is after underdogs had just had this crazy season so far. 
Yeah, and the only one, the only one that didn't cover, of course, was the Lions getting their first win of the year. And that was a highly, highly motivated underdog. And so as you're looking at these point spreads over the course of the last few weeks, I, I just I simply cannot believe, Chris, that we are heading into week 14 here. It's it's just it's been such an outstanding season, and I cannot wait for these last few weeks. We have so much left to be decided with the playoff seeding that is going to make for an incredible run. But one of the things that you absolutely have to look at here is if you've got a big number on a favorite, is this favorite motivated to win this game by margin? And you look at some of the teams that were sitting there. You had the Rams, right? And and you could say, oh, well, the Rams would have been just fine by narrowly winning this game. They didn't need to prove anything. None of these teams really necessarily need to prove anything. This is not the NCAA where you have a competition committee or whatever the fuck they're called to select the teams to go to the playoffs. This is simply post your best record and move on. But these teams absolutely, some of them needed to get back on track, make themselves feel better, like the Rams specifically, like the Colts last week. Um, and, you know, the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs are an interesting game to discuss, Chris, if we want to want to dive in a little bit more there. Yeah, right, right before we get to the Chiefs, let me just say, like, you, you, a lot of times, you know, and they say this is the square way to think about things, but... You know, things that play out. So, like, we had a couple of weeks ago, and you'll go into it and you go, all right, the Bills are pretty devastating uh, on both sides of the ball, uh, especially when they play bad opponents. They're playing the Jags. The Jags suck. The Bills should kill them. And then it doesn't come to fruition, right? And you end up getting busted on that. But yesterday, if you went in and you said, Arizona has been outstanding even without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. They're playing Andy Dalton. The 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 Bears suck. Arizona should kill him. You were right. If you said Indianapolis coming off a a, a, a hard fought game against the Bucks, now they're playing against the Texans. The Texans are awful. They should kill him. You were right. If you played the Rams, the Rams have underperformed, but they're playing against the Jags. The Jags are awful. They'll kill him. You were right. The Bucs, they're playing against Atlanta. Atlanta's had a win, but it, we just saw a couple weeks ago when Atlanta played back-to-back good teams, which was Dallas and then New England. They scored like three points and gave up like 100. So anytime they play anybody good, they get smoked. You were right, right? So like there's been, it felt like in November, all of these things that we felt like we believed wouldn't come to fruition. And then yesterday... Just the very basic, this team is very good. This team is terrible. This team should kill this team. It actually played out like it should play out. Well, now, and I'll tell you, you're you're right. But I think, Books, we, you should not think that this is simply going to continue in my mind because Books hate it when that type of thing happens. Absolutely, yeah. it's the worst thing for sports books. And yeah. you're right, the public did have a great day. And so they make corrections pretty quickly. Um, and the betting public only remembers what they just did last week. And so the betting public knows, I bet these favorites and they cleaned up and these big favorites cleaned up. And these teams that, you know, 
look, if the betting public had been riding with the Rams for several weeks, they'd been getting their ass kicked. So finally, they come and cover a huge spread. I know a lot of sharp guys, not anybody in my group, but we're on the Atlanta Falcons against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'll tell you that those guys were pissed that Gage dropped the ball in the end zone at the end because Atlanta should have covered that spread, but they didn't. Um, so I could tell you that, you know, a lot of these things will correct themselves back to like, I would be shocked if underdogs still didn't have a great year. I don't think this is going to be like the favorites in December, but you do have to pay close attention to what happens to, to the motivation of the favorites that are uh, asked to cover big numbers and the dogs on the other side of them. Right. And you looked at the, the Vikings and the lions lions trying to go out and get their first win of the year. That absolutely was huge. But now how does that a team how does that team rebound? You should go back. We'll dig through this later in the in the in the week. But how does a team that just went out and got their first win of the year play the very next week to the total, play to the spread? Because I can guarantee you these guys are still they, they're still celebrating right now. I mean, that was a, it's, it's Monday and they got alcohol in their system. They are still absolutely celebrating and they should. That was one of the best things that I saw yesterday and I didn't have a single nickel on that game, but it was outstanding to watch Jared Goff and Dan Campbell embrace at the end. I never root for any teams to go win winless or win every single game. I love parody. That's one of the reasons why I love this season. But I could tell you this from just talking one last uh, thing to close it up on these favorites yesterday. You know, some of the guys in, in, in my group, they were teasing teams down and had success, pairing some of the favorites and teasing them down. I personally was looking for any which way to get on the Indianapolis Colts. And because I, I just had this game pegged and but I didn't tease them down when they were minus seven and a half very early in the week. So I was looking for a way to get involved. I simply ended up throwing them into a money line parlay with the Philadelphia Eagles. And that was like minus 124, just money line parlaying both of them, which is about what a teaser would be. And those were two legs that you would absolutely not want to tease because you're not going to get a 10-point favorite down through the three which was what the Colts were, and you're not going to do anything with teasing a five-and-a-half to six-point favorite, which is what the Eagles were. But you throw those two in a money line parlay, all of a sudden, each just has to win the game, and you're laying basically what you would lay on a teaser. It was absolutely perfect. Now, of course, the Jets' offense somehow shockingly drove the ball up and down the field for the first three drives of the game and then did jack shit after that. So... um yeah, that, that, that's a way that some of us played some of these bigger favorites, and we'll see what ends up happening next week. Let me ask you about last night, because it was kind of, uh, whatever the phrase is, the irresistible force versus the immovable object. And I say that because you have Andy Reid coming off a bye, and that has been a tenant that we have heard for you know the last decade. And then on the other hand, you have Teddy Two Gloves as an underdog and a road underdog, which... He has the best record of any quarterback and the chiefs have been almost impossible to trust over the course of the last, you know, the last year, really in terms of covering a spread. But then again, it's the Andy Reed coming off a bye. Maybe they just look like a totally different team. And now they start cranking it up much like the bucks did last year coming off of their bye. Um, 
you had the under, which was great. Thank you, by the way. Um, it's a great division game. You know, it's an under. But I'll tell you, like, I, I went, uh, my mind was in knots. I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just put a little something on. I'm going to be watching it. Maybe it'll be fun. I, I could never decide on what I wanted to do spread-wise, so I just stayed away completely, and I took the... I took the under win. So there's a big win for uh for discipline. <laughs> but you took the what? Say the I just took the, I just took the win. I had the under. I just I got oh, my God. win. I didn't even mess with the spread because I was too scared of it. I, because it was like one of those, you know, when you put your head down at night, you can either say you know, why am I so stupid? And so if I if I would have bet against Mahomes, it would have been like, what am I doing? I'm betting against Andy Reid off a bye. But on the other hand, if I would have bet on Teddy Two or a bet against Teddy Two Gloves, I'd be like, well, what does he need to be? Like 25 and one for me to bet against? I mean, the guy covers every, every time as an underdog. So I just knew I was going to feel dumb either way. I'm glad I stayed away from the thing. And, uh, the under hit by a mile. So at least you got that one for me. Uh, what'd you make of that game? This is boy. The, I tell you this, I felt like the Broncos can make everybody look bad. Like I've watched this now, Warren, and you watched Dak Prescott and he looked horrible against them. Justin Herbert last week, people were jumping off of Herbert. They're like, Oh yeah, everybody's golden child. Uh, you watched Herbert yesterday. Guys, freaking amazing like it and then last night Mahomes I don't even think threw for 200 yards like that's that's really Vic Fangio like I I'm done judging quarterbacks after they play the Broncos because virtually everybody looks terrible unless you can like run around like Hertz did like Lamar did other than that you're you're dead man walking as a pocket passer against that guy I feel like yeah no I it's it's been incredible. Uh, Denver is and Vic Fangio's defense has gotten back on track ever since the game against the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Where they did not look very good at all. They've strung together. They've had the bye and they've strung together two great performances where they made opposing quarterbacks look silly. Now, you know who they got up next is uh, Jared Goff coming off of their first win of the season. So that game's going to be interesting, oh Chris. Um, they, of course, you know, Played, By interesting, uh, do you mean a bloodbath? <laughs> played, played your Cowboys. <laughs> the, yeah, well, that one, we'll see. That could be an interesting buy low spot for Denver um, after that loss with, with Teddy Two Gloves. But of course, I, I, I would just say, Warren, Herbert, Dak, and Mahomes have all looked not great against this guy. Like at some yeah. point, you just decide, okay, it's them. It's not these quarterbacks. They're not the problem. It's him. Yeah, exactly. No, you're exactly right. And you look at Patrick Mahomes, and it was interesting because Patrick Mahomes in that game, uh, I tweeted this out after the first drive of the game. Just, I will read it to you in the tone that I typed it because <laughs> a lot of people think that you like put try to put different tones into tweets. This literally was a 100% informative tweet. Patrick Mahomes target depth on the first drive, colon, 2.5 yards. That's it. That's it. Just a statistic off of next-gen stats, just to share that he's doing what you want to be doing against this type of defense. Throw it underneath, move the ball, 
They went down there and they put up points. I think they scored a touchdown on that first drive. You can't imagine the number of Chiefs fans that took umbrage at that tweet. Well, what do you want them to do? Well, Bob, like... Uh, it's just a simple fact. It's just a it's just a nugget. It's actually a positive nugget that that's what he was doing. And because the goal of every game and Mahomes said this well after the game. The goal of every game is just to win. At the end of the day, yes you want to be pretty. Yes you want to put up points. Yes you want to win with margin. But the goal of every game that you enter is just win, baby, right? Just win, baby. And it did not look good. If you look at Patrick Mahomes yeah, I don't care about the completed air yards. That's He was taking what the defense was giving them and performing. So he only had 2.7 completed air yards on the day, which was tied for lowest in the NFL. What wasn't great was his completion percentage above expectation, which was minus 20.4, which means the layup throws that he should be making, he was not making. So he was making the short underneath throws there were also short underneath throws that he was missing and a lot of the downfield stuff he was missing. And in some cases, it looked like he wasn't on the same page with people. And guess what? We talked about this ad nauseum last week. I first brought it up when we had the Wednesday show with Ben. Then I brought it up on the Friday show with House. Teams coming off of a bye sometimes don't perform as well on offense. We gave all the statistics about this. We gave the statistics of Andy Reid off of a bye. We talked about the fact that he hasn't been all that great of late. Like th These numbers aren't out outstanding or astonishing, but what does stick out more than anything is his defenses tend to ball out after they come back off of a bye. And of course, they absolutely did that in that game. Now, none of that was why I ended up taking the under in this game. The reason that you've got the under, my friend, or that you had the under and that Mike might have had the under was because when we recorded the show last Monday, which was at 9.45 a.m. Eastern time on Monday morning, I had already bet the under and gave it out to my clients back like over like almost a week before the game. So I didn't have time to dig into all this. Well, what's Andy Reid off of a buy to the under and all that had nothing to do. That was my computer model, which I can't explain why the model is doing as well as it is this year. It's been like around 60% lifetime, which is absurd. This year, Chris, it's had 24 games and it's won 20 of them. Last night was its 20th <laughs> win. It was 19 and four heading into the game last night. And now it's 20 and four. Um, it's, it's absurd. It's absurd. And that was the strongest one. I mean, we bet that one for a full unit. Uh, that was the strongest that we do any of these computer totals. And, you know, the, the total closed at 46 and a half. We took 49 half. That's a full three points lower. And there was a group of very, a very well-known, well-regarded betting group that wins long-term that came in when this line had got down to 47 that bet the over. And I got notified of it from some of the guys at the group that were for, hey, by the way, blah, blah, blah. They just bet the over at 47. Or they, they faded you. They went over 47. And I'm thinking to myself, are, 
faded me. I bet under 49 and a half. Would I still bet it at 47? Probably not. Like, but my model did say there was value, still value to be had to go under that, but probably not. So fading me, I mean, how's that actually fading me? If it's fading me, you would bet the number that I took or something very close to it and go the opposite way. Hey, That's a lot me, of movement. Let me take a quick time out, Warren. What, how far off does the number have to be? The model number versus the number that is posted for you to think that there is real value, right? So if you pop it out, and let's just say your computer total was, I don't know, on that game. Let's say it's 46, right? Or well, you said you said there might have been value at, at 47. So let's just say it's, it's 46 that your number got pushed out. Can you just tell me what was the number? Um, I don't even want to say the number because I didn't even say it to the guys that I work with when oh, we go didn't? through these games on Sunday night because my number was so far off what the betting line was. It was actually embarrassing. Okay, I was what like, <laughs> what I didn't does... want to tell them what it was because I thought that game last night was going to go so low, so low to the under that my it's, it's crazy because most people's models are going to be relatively close to what the spread is. So like maybe their model is like three points lower and that's yeah. like the most insanely off the game. Mine was like significantly lower than even that. So Okay, how far off does it have to be for you to want to bet it? It, it varies, and that's the thing that I think I've grown accustomed to. When I was first coming up with this stuff, Chris, uh, like a few years out of college and first starting to do this, I was very letter of the law. If, if it's over a point and a half, then I'm going to be looking to bet it, right? Like I was very letter of the law. Now I'm far more, here's what the model says. Let's start factoring in injuries and other things that uh, involve this game, per past performance, different things that we see. And there are some games this year where my model's been only a point different. But I bet that because there were other things that aligned with it that gave me value. Um, but if if there's games like this where it's it was over three, over four, over like I'll tell you just just over five points difference, that's like the biggest bet of the year, and that's what that was for 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 us. That was the biggest under bet of the year to date. Um, was that one? So. It varies. It's a, it's an art as much as it is a science. The more, the longer that you've done this um, professionally and been betting the model, so it was it was um, a nice win. But I will say, getting back to the point of Patrick Mahomes, um, this offense needs to continue to improve. But what he said at the press conference was 100% right. The defense is picking things up for them. This defense is absurd right now. This defense is playing. Passionate and Steve Spagnolo has them playing just in perfect concert with one another. This is going to be a very fun team down the road, but this is unlikely to be the team that you remember winning the Super Bowl back in 2019. This is not that type of team right now, the rest of the season. And I don't know if they're ever going to get back to like those high flute and high flying ways that they were back in 2019, where they were just dropping 40 plus points with regularity on anybody. If they're scoring that many points now, it's going to come either against a crap, crap defense, or it's going to come because their own defense helped them 
produce and score some points. But if you look um, at the rest imagine, of their schedule, imagine that the, we, 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 that we think the Chiefs have a chance at making a run, and it's because of their defense. Yeah, it's crazy. But they go up against the Raiders next week. Okay, I don't know what the line total is going to be yet because it's not posted. But do the Raiders play them with their cover three shit that didn't work the last time, and they they don't change anything? Because if so, then guess what? I think the Chiefs are going to look pretty good offensively next week. But then they've got the Chargers, they've got the Steelers, they've got the Bengals, and they've got another game against the Broncos to close out the season. None of these defenses actually rank top half of the league. Okay, every single one of these defenses currently, I don't know what the Bengals' updated defensive numbers are, and I'm guessing they were 16 last week. After what they gave up to Herbert, they're not going to be 16 this week. Every single one of those defenses is below average, but every single one of those defenses has had experience with and played decently against this offense in the past. Um, so I think it's going to be a fun. It's going to be fun to see this team down the stretch. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Let me ask you about that Chargers team. They were the biggest dog cover. Um, they're three-point underdog. They end up winning that game by 19. Every time we start to really think highly of the Bengals, <laughs> they end up letting us down. What, what do we? And, and obviously, people were starting to get out on the Chargers last week because Herbert looked so bad against Denver. What do we make of that game and that outcome? The Chargers go in there. You know, the, the line kind of went down right before the game. It got off of that key number of three. I saw that you could take Bengals two and a half right before that game kicked off. Um, they end up losing the game by 19 friggin' points. That's always a scary proposition. If you're studying the line and you, a game that was three all week, now you can get that favorite for two and a half. You might want to run. run the other direction. <laughs> you might want to run the other direction. So, um, we actually saw a team, and I, I've got, I've got the numbers. I just don't have them pulled up here. I have them for the full game, but I'm going to go back and pull them just for the first downs, particularly in the first three quarters. What Justin Herbert did with his intended air yards, you know, how far down the field was he pushing the ball? Because they were throwing deep on first downs and he averaged 10.2 intended air yards over the course of the entire game. That was the highest in the NFL last week. So they finally started doing some of the stuff that a lot of us have been begging for them to do. Ben, in particular on the Wednesday show, throw the ball down the field a little bit more on these early downs and Justin Herbert's with that depth of target being at 10.2, and yet he had the second best completion percentage above expectation on the week of 10.9% above expectation, that's a very difficult combination to pull off. Pushing the ball down the field, to, to paint some picture, and we'll talk about him later on, but Gardner Minshew led the league in completion percentage above expectation at 14%, so Herbert was basically 11%, 3% lower, but Gardner Minshew was throwing the ball only six yards on average downfield. Herbert was 10.2 yards on average down the field. Um, the big thing that had me questioning, so number one, 
I missed out on that opportunity. I was uh, that was a game. It was difficult for me to peg all week. Late in the week, I heard through talking to some of the guys that I work with that you know the Chargers, Chargers, Chargers. But I never myself got on to them, and so that was an opportunity missed by me. I had nothing on that game whatsoever. Um, but the big factor here is when you have a team like we talked about this on the Friday show. The Bengals wanted to run the football. They've got, they're going up against the NFL's worst run defense. And over the last two weeks, the Bengals had shifted from the number one most pass heavy team in the NFL from weeks five to nine in the first half of games to now the number 27 most pass heavy team in the first half of games. So they wanted to run the football. And that was the perfect opportunity to run against the worst run defense. But what happens? You get down super early in the game. And that's exactly hopefully how the Chargers planned it. That's how I would have planned it if I was working with them is try to get up early to force the Bengals to abandon the thing that they would want to do the most that would also hurt your defense the most, which is run the ball. If they're down too much, they're not going to be able to do that. That's exactly how the Chargers took advantage of this game, took control of this game. Um, But the thing to me now, as I'm looking ahead to week 14, which is crazy even say week 14, is... Joe Burrow's hand. Did you see those fingers? Oh my god! Oh my god. god! It was. I tweeted it out. Probably not the, the not the savviest tweet that I put out there. But uh, you looked at like his pinky, and then that was that was blowing up like a balloon. And then his ring finger was a little less, and his middle finger was okay, but his pointer finger was just perfect. And to me, it reminded me of that like poorly drawn horse meme, where like <laughs> half the body is like just fine, and as you slowly work your way across, it becomes the worst stick drawing you've ever seen. That's what his hand, his the fingers on his hand actually look like. How how are they laying one point to the San Francisco 49ers right now? I mean, I don't know what his hand, that's his throwing hand. I have no idea how that thing is going to yeah, look. Well, and let's just say, uh, you know, what is not what I have not been able to get out of my head regarding the Bengals was the Mike White 400 passing yard game. <laughs> and so yesterday, as you're watching Herbert chuck it down the field, I mean, I do think it says something obviously about Big Ben and, and their ability to pass the ball down the field, right? Because they they were not able to do this against the Bengals. And yet you have seen some of these teams that really have tested that defensive backfield of the Bengals. And I mean, the the numbers it feels like can be unlimited. I mean, if Mike White can do it for the amount that he did, and you saw Herbert yesterday, I just feel like the Bengals, while I, I you know, they can impress me some weeks. I feel like, you know, typically when you get to the playoffs, you're playing against good quarterbacks. And if you're playing against a good quarterback, you're going to be in big trouble. If they've got a game play where they, if they could get it down the field, because that team could give up a boatload of passing yards, guys get open against them, you know? And, and, and so I guess that's probably a takeaway. Cause I, I just oscillate back and forth with that team. So many times um, they were the Chargers were the biggest underdog cover. The outright underdog Kings or the Washington football team, though, Warren, it's now four in a row, four games in a row. They have been going back to the, the Bucks game where they have been installed as an underdog going into the week and they have won the game outright. What's going on with Washington? Uh, they're playing really good complimentary ball uh, everywhere. They're getting enough out of the run game. Antonio Gibson is finally healthy. Uh, I, if you if you pay close attention to Ron Rivera, 
after the game, talked about how Gibson is finally healthy um, and it shows. Look, they've been playing with guys injured, though. Like, they've been, their offensive line was down some guys. Um, their receiving core wasn't healthy. They lost their t- starting tight end to a torn Achilles. Uh, sorry, torn ACL during the game. They're going to be without him the rest of the season. Taylor Heineke, not the best game. Only throws for 196 yards, only five completed air yards. Um, hey, but- speaking, speaking of tight ends, did you see, I think it was the first touchdown, the one that he threw to Logan Thomas in the back of the end zone, and Logan Thomas grabbed it with one hand. Now, Logan Thomas is huge, by the way. Like, yeah. super tall guy. There's nobody within 50 yards of him, and Heineke almost threw it in the stands. Like, if he yeah. didn't have a seven-foot tight end that jumped up and snatched it with one hand, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. He almost missed that. Yeah, he did. It, it was not the best day for Heineke, but he did enough to get it done, just like Washington has been doing for a while now. And now they've got this, this craziest schedule to me. They go, Dallas? then Philly, then Dallas, then Philly. I I mean, home, away, away, home. So you guys got to play them twice in three weeks, and then the Eagles play them twice in three weeks. The the tail end of this NFC East schedule is absurd. I mean, playing a team twice in three weeks is is absolutely crazy. Now, I'm not going to say it's not going to be fun to watch. Like, the division is on the line. These are the three teams that have any shot in it, and so it's going to be fun to watch these guys go back and forth, but... It's it's a crazy close to the NFC East schedule. All right, let's ha- let me ask you about that other team you mentioned, Philly. Garner Minshew gets the start. We don't find out until you know game day. Really, uh, that Garner Minshew is going to be the guy that is uh, in the starting lineup for Philly. He has a brilliant day. Philly wins. And here comes Philly sports talk, right? Because now they are, I believe, going into a buy because I saw people, uh, some of my Philly buddies opining, oh my God, not only is it going to be the Garner Minshew versus Jalen Hurts, what should Philly be doing? Who should be the starter? It is going to be two weeks of Garner Minshew or Jalen Hurts. So let me ask you from all emotions out of it, right? We'll leave the emotions of that for Philly sports talk. Um, Take a step back and in your model or in the way that you look at the games, is the number different dependent upon Hertz versus Minshew in your mind? Yeah, yes, it is because the Eagles will call the game differently, right? The Eagles are far more of a standard drop back pass team that can also run the ball with a really good offensive line if it's Gardner Minshew there. And we saw them do that on the drives that they were putting up points. They were operating from the pocket with Gardner Minshew throwing the ball down the field and they were relying a lot on his arm. And the drives that they weren't scoring but we're still bleeding clock, and some of them were effective and some weren't. They were calling a lot more run plays, and both can work. You are going to see a higher upside from your running back 
if the quarterback is doing the read option stuff like Jalen Hurts does. Why is that? Well, because the defense has to account for the threat of the quarterback to actually keep the ball and run with the football. And so theoretically, if the execution is correct, the quarterback is always making the defense wrong when he's sticking the ball in the belly of that running back, because if he gives it, he's making the defense, the reason he's giving it is because the defense is wrong. And if he keeps it, the reason he's keeping it is because the defense was overplaying the running back. And so the defense is going to be wrong with him keeping it. So in every instance, you're gaining a one hat advantage when you do that. And so that's the reason why running backs tend to gain more yards and have better days in production and, and outputs in general, and in many cases, efficiency as well. When you're operating with a quarterback that's a dual threat quarterback that is the threat to, to run with the football. That's not to say a quarterback can't hand the ball off to a running back and you can't have a very productive day on the ground. I'm just comparing the two because these two are very different with Hertz and Minshew in that respect. It It's too small of a sample size for, for me really to say, oh, well, Minshew's the better pocket quarterback here to throw the football down the field. And so he's he's the vastly superior in that respect. That being said, you know, I was a big Minshew fan when he was in Jacksonville. And I was hoping that he would get another shot in the league to play quarterback because I do think that there is talent there. And I don't know what the ceiling is on that talent. You know, I'm not suggesting that he's like a upper echelon passer of the football. I'm simply saying that could he be a starting quarterback in the NFL? And the answer is probably yes when you look around the league at some of the other guys who are having success and you look at a guy like a, a Taylor Heineke who's having surprising levels of success right now, you know, is is Gardner Minshew that much different, right? So I think he had a very good day. He led the NFL in completion percentage above expectation at 14%. I already mentioned that. He wasn't throwing the ball down the field a ton. He wasn't asked to throw the ball a ton. He only had 25 attempts, but great day. What was it, like 12 attempts in a row that were complete? I mean, he played a great game. He started off 8 for 8, 125 yards of two touchdowns. And this is breaking me, Warren. I hate the Eagles. I hate them. But Garner Minshew, for anybody that's followed me for years, knows Garner Minshew is one of my favorite quarterbacks ever. At, <laughs> because at you Washington State, tell me State, the backstory. Washington State, I am mm -hmm. a massive Mike Leach fan. Mike Leach, and I started at Texas Tech, and I followed him to Washington State, and then obviously now followed him to Mississippi State. But at Washington State, do you have a, do you have a picture standing next to the man? Who would? Oh, I've hung Mike out with Leach. Leach. I've hung okay. out with him before. Uh, yes, when when he was exiled from Texas Tech. But Minshew, going back to the Washington State team, and this is for all our gamblers out there. This is a Ringer Gambling Show. You can go back and look. They covered either ten of twelve or eleven of twelve. I believe the the Washington game ended up being in like a legitimate blizzard. So you got to throw that one away, the Apple, the Apple Cup, Cup that year. Yeah. yeah, but they went on a run of covering that was absolutely insane. His year, his last year there, Garner Minshew, and we were on him every single week. Garner Minshew the second, Garner Minshew the second. And so I watched all these games, 
loved this guy. It became a huge running joke on the show because I would scream his name all the time. And then he goes to Jacksonville. No harm, no foul. I can root for him. But then when he ends up in Philly, I'm like, oh, no, no, of all the places. And now I very well may have to root against him as a Cowboys fan coming up very quickly because I, I, I rooted for Garner's success and I wanted him to be good, but I don't want him to be good for the Eagles. See, this is, this is why, this is why I'm so glad that I'm not a fan of any team like that, because then I have to like turn off my desire for a, an individual to have success so, so that I can root for this faceless organization i guess the face is jerry jones right i can root for jerry jones to exceed to excel and and i gotta root against gardner Minshew. i don't see a world where that makes any sense at all so (laughs) well i guess you but i'm i'm glad i'm glad that he is uh having some success Uh, they've got a bye week to argue about it all uh in philly this episode is supported by fx's clipped The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. We are now this far into the season, Warren. And here after all this, I went and looked at Super Bowl uh, odds this morning, and it's Bucks Chiefs, <laughs> which is what we just watched in January or February, whatever it was. <laughs> Bucks Chiefs, not even the Cardinals, who have won games with friggin' Colt McCoy and are ten and two. They're not the favorite. It's Bucks and it's Bucks Chiefs. Do you think that those two right now should be the favorite? Well, that's a great question that I can't answer unless I update my strength of schedule the rest of the way because so much of playoff success in my mind, and we've seen teams not have to deal with this, but so much factors in getting that by. Not having to play that extra game in the postseason is truly a big deal. And so whoever, I need to look at the rest of the schedule to see who's got the best opportunity to earn that buy, because for me, that goes a long way. I do think it's interesting as I'm looking at the odds right now. Well, look, um, you you named off the Chiefs a little bit earlier, and you can name off the Bucks schedule. The truth is this, and I know you'll look at their strength of schedule. They're going to be favored in every game. Both those teams are going to be favored in every game they play the rest of the way. So you're not going to find a game that's an obvious, oh, wow, they might lose that game. If they lose... They're going to get upset. Either one of those teams. They might both run the table. It's totally possible. It, it Well, it is possible. I mean, we saw what the Bucks did last year yep. around this time. They were what? Like a Flip nine, the switch. eight and 
eight and five team or something like that. And they just got hot to close out the season and never stopped running the rest of the way. And that's what it takes. I mean, I told you guys, the GM told me season starts after Thanksgiving. Here we are. I don't expect these teams to let their, let the foot off the gas for even a moment's notice the rest of the way. And it's going to be fun to, to see, but you know, I've heard, I've heard rumors now, the chiefs winning, in somewhat convincing fashion, even though their offense didn't look very good. Um, And this, uh, I don't know if we want to transition into tonight's game, but this is what a lot of people are talking about. A lot of people are talking about Brady versus Belichick in the Super Bowl. You know, there are a lot of people out there, some very important people within this company that are all over the Patriots <laughs> to go to the Super Bowl and play against well, Tom Brady and that rematch. And here so, we go, Warren. We have, I, I, this think, is I think a lot of people, especially the way the Ravens have looked, like you look at the way that the Ravens looked yesterday, and now the Ravens, a huge game against the Cleveland Browns this week. And the Cleveland Browns, I'll just add this, this game's fascinating to me, Chris, and I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked that this line opened with the Ravens favored by a point. Now it's starting to get back to the Cleveland Browns, but I I didn't really view it like this and, and I didn't really spend too much time thinking about it from this context, but so many people, when they were analyzing the schedule as it was released earlier in like April, whenever it came out, April or May, looked at this game and they said, the Cleveland Browns played the Baltimore Ravens and then they had a bye, and now they play the Baltimore Ravens again. What a huge advantage for the Cleveland Browns to have a bye and then play the same exact team out of a bye, while in the meantime, as they're getting healthy, the Baltimore Ravens are going to play on the road in Pittsburgh in a brutal, like, slobber knocker type matchup that always doesn't that always almost ends in one score, right? That game is always close, always competitive. It's always a fist fight. You're beat up after that game. Cleveland Browns are sitting in front of their fireplace, getting healed in their in their uh, ice machines or whatever they're doing. Um, what are those machines that you sit inside of in a little bubble type thing? You know, a, NBA a players. Cryo chamber or a cryo chamber? They're in their cryo chambers with the fireplace going, drinking their one glass of wine a day, and they're watching the these two teams duke it out. And now they get to play this Baltimore Ravens team that beat down. As I'm talking, this line is shifting back towards the Cleveland Browns being a favorite. And in some spot, and this move looks pretty strong. I'll have to look and see who actually was behind this move. But now the Browns are favored by two points. Just before we started the show, the the game I think the game was a, a pick'em or the wow. Bra- Ravens were favored. Well, so let me ask you this: So we got going tonight, and as you said, people are in love with the Patriots, and our beloved boss Bill Simmons is all on the Patriots. And I have reserved judgment for tonight. Now, again, I get to view this through the prism of a Cowboys fan, and the Cowboys beat them in overtime, and then their wins. They killed the Jets. Okay. They beat the Chargers by three. That was nice. Carolina's awful. Cleveland, they caught all banged up. All banged up. Like that Cleveland team had no chance of that game. At Atlanta, Atlanta's awful. Tennessee was banged up. They've lost Derrick Henry. Like this is, this is by far the best team they've played. By far. Since they've hit this run. The Patriots. And I'm not saying the Patriots aren't. 
outstanding. But tonight, to me, this is the real test. And now they're saying maybe 25 mile per hour winds, freezing cold. I've seen the the to- the totals dropped like five points, hasn't it? For this game, like it yes. opened, <laughs> where it opened versus where 45, it is now. It's sitting, it opened at 45 and is sitting right now at 41. Some oh spots God. even have moved through the key number of 41 to 40 and a half. My, if it's if it, if it's so that it's 25 mile per hour winds and it's freezing, that 41 is outrageous. Like, come on. So let me, like, give you, if, let me if, give if it's really 26 mile or 25 mile per hour wind, you can't hit a friggin' field goal. You can't throw the ball downfield. And not to mention, you know, there's that stat that like just blindly bet division games. A division game unders past week 10. Like if you just close your eyes and bet the under in these division games, you're going to win money. Now, of course, this number of where it opened versus where it is now is different. But uh, now this, and you could say it's just square thinking, but Warren, if it's 26 mile per hour winds and it's freezing, like how the hell are they scoring 41 points in this game? Like, uh, two teams that know each other extremely well. Well, I, I I will tell you this. I think the 41, which is a very key number in betting, is hanging on by a thread. Um, I would be surprised if the current forecast holds up. So just so some backstory, talked a little bit about this on Friday. I, I look at games like weeks in advance. Like I am a sick bastard over here. I'm sorry, but like I, I'll, all I do is think about the NFL. I look at games weeks in advance. I'm looking at this game. I see the forecast last week uh, is not looking great. I look at it on Sunday night heading into the game. So like over a week ago, last Sunday night. So the Sunday before, the, as the lines were coming out, as the games were ending, we're looking at this forecast and it's not looking good. And I'm like, okay, well, this is like a whole week over a week, eight days in advance. Since when does the forecast stay the same? But let's just keep watching and seeing what happens. I'm checking on this forecast like every six hours, Chris. Every single day, every single, like three to four times a day, I'm checking on this forecast. And I've been doing that for days on end. Now, and, now I've got to know, do you have like a special program or do you just check the weather app like the rest of us do? Well, uh, we check, we have multiple programs that we cross-reference to get different forecasts from different sources and some of them we pay for to try to get like good future forecasts and that sort of thing. But they've been very consistent. The The only thing that's changed in this game uh, with regard to the forecast since like last Sunday was earlier in the week, it was forecast that it was going to be colder during the day and we were going to get snow. We were going to get snow up until like five o'clock. And then it was supposed to just be maybe some lake effect after that, but not really any snow. The the precipitation was supposed to have moved through by that point in time. Well, the difference is that now it's rain because it's actually going to get up to, right? um, It's supposed to get up to, let me double check here today in the fifties. It's right now, as I'm recording this, it's 50 degrees in Buffalo. So it's actually raining, but this temperature is going to drop such that by 6 PM, 
sorry, by 8 p.m., it's going to be 33 degrees and it's going to feel like 19 degrees. And what you're going to have is no rain, maybe some lake effect like in the air. And the bills have been surprised by some lake, like sometimes you, you never really know. I don't, I've never lived in that area, but according to people that do, you never really know sometimes when this shit can kick up and all of a sudden there's lake effect snow. There, they, there might be a little bit of that, but it's primarily going to be this wind and these bitter cold temperatures. It's going to feel like between 18 and 19 degrees. The current forecast for wind is has kicked up a little bit since even yesterday. Uh, it's now forecast 27 to 20, 25 to 27 miles per hour. I mean, with come on. Gusts in the 40s, low 40s <laughs> for gusts. So it really depends in, in having talked, in, in having observed myself and then actually talking with offense coordinators and coaches, the direction of the wind is the most paramount thing. Yes, it fucks with your kicking, but if the wind is end zone to end zone, your passing attack is really not impacted. The only thing would be if you're going into the wind, I mean, 20 miles per hour is not great, but if you're going into the wind, you can still throw everything within 15 miles uh, 15 yards in into a 20 mile per hour headwind as long as the gust isn't kicking up and as long as your quarterback doesn't have a arm that's not used to dealing with that which is going to be interesting with regard to Mac Jones but <laughs> not with Josh Allen. Hold on, I don't buy that at all. Go outside and try to throw a football. I know they're professionals, but go try to throw a football into a 25 mile per hour wind. It's not 10 yards, 10 yards away. That's, it's that's, still, it's still, it's still ridiculous. It depends. It really does depend on your trajectory. Yes. I can imagine if you're trying to loop a, a screen ball to a running back high up in the air, that would be a factor. But if you're trying to just throw straight down the field to like Steph Diggs, who's standing like seven yards away from you or eight yards away from you, I don't think that that's going to be too big of a problem, but you are absolutely going to have issues throwing the ball deeper down the field. Now. You look at the matchup here. You've got one team in the Patriots that runs the ball really well with their running backs. You got another team that does not run the ball really well with their running backs at all. So this should, the weather should actually favor the Patriots run game a little bit here. If you are the Buffalo Bills defense, Sean McDermott, their defensive coach, their mind, defensive mind head coach, the strategy should be simple for this defense but it's totally different than their normal strategy. So that's the interesting part here. The strategy must be make Mac Jones beat us. Load the box, make Mac Jones beat us. But what does Buffalo play typically? They play the cover two, they play back, they try to prevent the big stuff over the top. So it is going to take a big adjustment for their defense to do what you need to do against the Patriots in this game, which is force Mac to throw the ball into the wind. His arm strength is not the same as Josh Allen's and see what happens there. Conversely, I have no idea how Bill Belichick ends up playing this one because you normally say, oh yeah, stop the run, make the quarterback throw the ball. But you don't really want that to happen here. This team, Buffalo, wants to throw the football. So you don't really want to devote resources to stopping the run. They probably won't run the ball that much unless the wind is just so out of control that they have to. What but what New England really needs to do is just stop the short passing game. And I've shared the numbers on Friday with House, but the Patriots pass defense within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage is 
the sixth worst in the NFL, something like something around sixth worst in the NFL. But the Patriots pass defense from 11 to 20 yards, that next kind of corridor, is the best in the NFL if you try to throw the ball 11 to 20 yards. Their safeties, the way that they play those passes, perfection. So Buffalo needs to throw the ball short within 10 yards, which plays great to this weather forecast, and that's what you should do. I think you will be able to throw the ball 5 to 10 yards down the field without problem in terms of being able to throw the football. But if the Patriots know that that's what you're doing and that you can't throw the ball deep, they might make those adjustments. And then I'm not sure what Dayball and the Bills try to do. So this game's going to be an outstanding chess match between two very smart defensive coaches and their offensive counterparts. How about a little Josh Allen over 36 yards rushing? How about that? How about that, Warren? What do you think? He got to run. Um, it has right? some he's legs. Got, he's got to run it, the it, ball, doesn't he? It has some legs. I'll just say that. Um, remains to be seen exactly how he does. You can guarantee that one of the biggest things that the Patriots are going to try to do here is keep Josh Allen in the pocket. Like they do not want him escaping outside the pocket. So their focus is going to be keep him inside of the pocket. Um, so. If they can't run with their backs, which they're going to obviously try, they're not just going to go into this passing nonstop. They're going to try to run with their backs. Um, If that doesn't work, you're going to need something out of Josh Allen on the ground because you may not be able to move the ball deep in chunks against this defense. So bottom line here, I think this total is going to keep dropping. With this wind forecast, I told people before, uh, we talked to House on Friday when the total was, I think, Mike, if correct me if I'm wrong, total was 42 and a half. He said, is there any value getting us up to 43 because we could go under? I said, if you got the rare instance where I think this total is going to go down to 41, I, I fucking said this on Friday, and you can buy off of it at 41 or potentially less than that, it's worth a bet. And even though the total had dropped from 45 down to 42 and a half, Guess where it is right now? It's 41. And I'm telling you, I think this is going to continue to drop lower than this. Okay. Warren, there's another unbelievable week of uh, NFL football. I will talk to you next week. Thank you, my friend. I hope everybody enjoys the game. Obviously, good luck to everything that you are betting. We will see you guys on The Wednesday show with Ben Solek. And of course, we're going to be breaking down tonight's game in great detail. We're going to get some of his picks for the upcoming week's games, go over film, data, analytics, and talk out some of the bets. Special thanks, of course, to Chris Vernon for joining me and to Mike Wargon and Craig Holbeck for producing the show. We will see you guys on Wednesday. Wednesday.